Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, Steve. How's it going, Steve? I'm super pumped that we're doing a Fiala France movie right now. I'm super, super pumped for this. Yes. Uh, Yeah, we're going to do a movie where the directors were at one point going to make a Friday the 13th movie. So Yes. (laughs) They would have done such a fucking cool job. It would have been Art House Friday the 13th. It would have. And like seeing the yeah. scene with the kids on the lake, I was like, man, I'm getting total Friday the 13th vibes from this. Oh, there's so many points. There's so many parts in this movie that lend to that, that franchise. Really? Yeah. So secretly, this is a Friday the 13th movie is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> this is the origin story. Yeah. This is this is like uh, that meme where you're like, I'll tell my kids this was a Friday the 13th movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the prequel. Yes. Also with us is Taylor. How's it going, Taylor? Pretty good. Nice. Caffeinated. Yep. It's Mother's Day. We're here to talk about Mm. bad moms. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hi, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. You will never listen to us because you don't like horror. Yeah, my mom doesn't even know what a podcast is, but happy Mother's Day, Mom. You you can still put that energy out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I tried to explain to her once what a podcast was, and she's like, so it's radio? I'm like, not quite. She's like, okay. But it's radio. <laughs> like, like, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's radio. Why not? All I know, my my mom's proud. Yeah. I, I know that. She won't listen to it, but I know she's proud. So yeah. I'm happy about that. Yeah, exactly. If you have your lo- mother's love, then what else do you need? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. I think every mom dreams of their sons and daughters becoming film critics in life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. And podcasters. <laughs> yeah. I feel like my mom always knew about the, the, the critic part. Oh, she had a good idea. She had a good idea. <laughs> yeah, well, she had a good idea. I mean, even heading into doing this episode, me and Taylor were just talking. I said that she let me rent like, like so many movies per week yeah. when I was little. Like she knew that I loved movies. She knew I was going to do something with with it. So, yeah, here I am. <laughs> my my whole origin story for film critic was uh, I would read the TV guide back when that was a thing. And uh, they would have little blurbs where they were they would review something, and I always told my mom, I'm like, I'm gonna watch this and prove them wrong, and I would watch it and be like, I don't think this is a two out of five movie. This is a four out of five. <laughs> so, very very much knew exactly what I was going for there. Um, and then she screamed at you, Why can't you be normal? <laughs> you know what? That was probably like just softly mentioned, like just not yelled, but just like. <laughs> um anyways we're talking about good night mommy uh, mm-hmm. a movie about uh two well one kid <laughs> and uh <laughs> oh you're 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 tipping you're tipping the spoiler right there yeah i guess it's really it's hard not to spoil but two kids uh, yeah two kids at one point 
Uh, anyways, let's <laughs> <laughs> get into the official summary. Uh, twin boys who do everything together from collecting beetles to feeding stray cats welcome their mother home after her reconstructive surgery, but with her face wrapped in bandages and her demeanor distant, they grow suspicious of her identity. Um, yeah. Uh, Steve, you, you chose this movie. Uh, I did. Why did you choose Goodnight Mommy? Because it's one of the greatest uh, mindfuck horror thrillers. Because like, it's not, like, it's... I'd say it's more a thriller. It's more a mystery thriller than anything, but um, it is a serious head twist. I saw it at a press screening um, during a film festival, and I had to sit on the the review for like three, four weeks uh, for the movie to come out, and it was just... It's just like an insanely brilliant experience to check out at a press screening at 10 a.m. Nice. Um, cool. Uh, well, when was well, I guess that was your first time for watching the movie. It was a press yeah. Um, yeah. Taylor, how about you? When was the first time you watched this movie? Um, I watched it for the podcast, actually. Uh, nice. And I, I don't even know. This is another one of those sleeper ones that I've seen around, but just never got around to watching. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, pretty nice. much last week. Nice. Um, yeah, this is the first time watch for me. I had never seen this movie. I had heard of it. Uh, I think be- when the directors were being uh, up for a Friday the 13th film, it was in the back of my head that I wanted to check it out to see how how that movie did before that Friday Thirteenth came out, and then when that fell apart, I think I just I don't know fell by the wayside and never quite happened. But uh, mm-hmm. glad to finally have watched it because yeah, it is a mind trip of a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely, uh, in the best way possible. Um, yeah, yeah, and definitely you know there's there's gonna be some spoilers in this, so I don't know if you haven't seen it, maybe just turn mm-hmm. this off. Watch the movie first. I mean, normally I would assume that you would do that anyways. Yeah. But uh, maybe in a case like this, because I, I don't want any restraints on spoilers. So we'll just say, no. if you haven't seen it, stop and then come back. Yeah. And this is one you have to like. You have to watch. Like, you, it, like to get any sort of context from us talking about it. Because there's so much to this movie that's dealt on, on what you don't know and subtleties. Yeah, for sure. Um... But this is a movie that, yeah, very pleasantly surprised. It was really good. Um, let's uh, get to uh, some emails here. Uh, Can I just say before, is that there, there's an incredible Daryl cinematography to this movie. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, Like, it's uh, almost on that Yorgos level, eh? Like, it's got that... Very similar, that, yeah. That, that very pristine, hard lines, hard... Like, like... It's just the framing of this movie is is a major part of its success, and the the, the color scheme too seemed mm-hmm. muted in a way yeah. that's kind of similar yeah. to to Yorgos. Even when they're in nature, it's muted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No, definitely got some Yorgos vibes from this. Um, funny enough, too, I rewatched Killing of Sacred Deer recently, so. I was watching this and thinking, like, man, I wonder who copied whom here. I think Yorgos was probably <laughs> around then, still pretty, pretty prominent. So I could see, I could see some influences there. Um, all right, uh, got a couple emails here. 
uh, versus from Marianne. What do you make of the ending with them in the field? Was the mom an imposter? Just no. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say no. No. I um, they the reason that she got facial reconstruction, you know, surgery is what they did to her. Yeah. She was scared of them. The she was scared of him the whole time mm -hmm. because yeah, the spoiler is out. One of there were twins, and one of the brothers was killed. Which that scene is just so good. Like seeing so the kid good. like just like on the board and you see those bubbles coming up, like oh, it was so great. It's such a great callback to Friday the thirteenth, I might add too. Yeah. <laughs> you know that you know that, that, that both these filmmakers came from a deep love of horror, but that they want to create their own niche within that. Mm. Um but yeah, I, I truly believe that like the mom was the victim in this whole thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of the horror for me comes from this movie too. It's like, every time I watch a movie, I immediately assume that there's something in it that needs to be solved. And there were some interesting and weird scenes, maybe it's just because they're twins early on, that I was like, something is going on with these twins. I don't think the mom has anything to do with anything. There's something mm -hmm. going on with these twins. And I think there's one specific line where he's talking about getting a drink for his brother. And he yeah. goes, you, you, you only made supper for me. And she goes, you know why? And in my head, I was like, oh, probably because his brother's fucking dead. And then it was because his brother was fucking dead. <laughs> but like watching the end scene and like without, like, you know that only one of the brothers is is there as their mom is essentially being tortured by him like it's so it just makes your skin crawl and like i don't know why but for some reason the the super glue scenes were so hard for me to watch like yeah. that was just that was terrifying yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think and that's that's the showing of the hand right like like mm -hmm. that they did this to their mother mm -hmm. yeah Right, like, ugh. um, and I, I took, I don't know quite what happened at the end of the film, which was probably on purpose, but them standing there in the field, it almost made me feel like they were like that was them together in death or something like that yeah. because they, mm -hmm. they left the mom or the, the one son left the mom in the house, basically, I'm assuming to burn. Mm -hmm. His mm -hmm. brother is dead. There's no indication of what happens to him at the end of the movie, but that scene made it seem like they're all dead, you know? Either that or the the twin brother's been acting as like an imaginary cohort the whole time. Well, I and here's I know that this wasn't framed in this way for this movie, but it's almost interesting to think about some sort of paranormal aspect of the the brother coming back as almost mm -hmm. like an evil entity because like he was really being influenced by this image of his brother throughout yeah. the entire movie. He is basically being turned against his own mother by this image of his brother. He has in his head. Like that's crazy. That's a lot of influence. Imaginary cohorts or friends created by trauma, almost like Daniel isn't real from this year. Yeah. Yes. Um, also, dude, there was a, you mentioned the scene with the the drink being poured or dinner being served. Mm -hmm. There was also a similar scene with uh, them playing the game with the post-it on her head, where mm -hmm. the one oh, yeah. is saying the answers and the mom doesn't acknowledge it, but it's only when the other son echoes what he says that she acknowledges what he says. So mm -hmm. 
that definitely was kind of like, yeah, I was, I, I didn't know the twist of this before going in, but watching this, I was like, oh, there's something going on with this kid. Like I, th I was thinking he was a ghost, but I don't think he was necessarily a ghost. It's hard to say what exactly he is or was or whatever, but at the end, it's it's weird because I want to say that they were combined together, but there was a weird scene where the house is up in flames and you see the mom leaving the house in the same dress that she appears in when um, she shows up at the field at the end with the two kids. So it's very strange. I was hmm. I'm still trying to think of what that means. Like maybe that was her ghost leaving the house because she had died but it's just really weird like if you it's really easy to miss but when the house is up in flames and the uh, firefighters are arriving there's just like a quick little like her walking out of the house and walking towards the field scene that was really weird so interesting i feel like i need to rewatch this one definitely yeah i feel like yeah. there's probably a ton of stuff that i missed um oh for sure and even like i I went back and revisited some scenes. I didn't really watch the whole thing, but I just went and revisited a few key scenes just because I thought, did I see that right or was I wrong? But um, yeah. The fish tank scene gets me. Oh. Every time. Yeah, someone with a cat. So I'm like, who would do that to a cat? Um, oh, and the, all the cockroaches. That was actually a, a, a another interesting link between this movie and the, the Babadook, which we've uh, talked about, mm -hmm. is that they both have creepy cockroach scenes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And the kid, I, I mean, the cockroach stuff is like the kids kind of like obsessed with like decay and stuff like that. Like, mm. ah, it's there's, there's so many weird aspects to this movie. But I, I think the one thing uh, that that is definitely true is that uh, Fiala and Franz are terrified of kids. <laughs> because their second movie is very much in that vein as well. The Lodge. Oh yeah. Oh. I still haven't so, seen that. Oh. oh, it's so fucking good, Taylor. I think it's I coming know, I out like it soon. should be on Blu-ray, yeah, in the next couple of weeks. I, it might be already on, um, on demand, like as far like like uh, like iTunes or something like that. Yeah. But oh yeah. man, Riley Keough gives a fucking clinic in that movie. I need to rewatch that movie. So good. The first time I watched it, I was not a fan, but I admit maybe that was just me. I need to rewatch it. So. Christmas horror. Yeah, good old holiday horror. And you also have um, the dad was... Um, uh, Armitage, Richard uh, Armitage. He was in yeah. uh, Hannibal the last season. Yeah, he was good. also the main... He's like also like one of the main warriors in the Hobbit trilogy. Mm -hmm. Well, you know... I, I we all do bad things. I don't like to acknowledge the, those movies because... <laughs> no, I hate those movies. The I, second one, most of all, the Desolation of Smog, it has a full twenty-minute barrel sequence. That's a fucking video game. It's so stupid. Oh yeah, it's yeah. Oh, it's oh. so sad because I love Martin Freeman too. Yeah, but, me too. Uh, it, those movies just do not do any of the books or that book justice at all. No, no not at all. No, so, um, yeah, don't go watch that. I mean, that's a horror in and of itself. Is uh, that movie? But uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Next uh, email here. Uh, Carlos says, "What are your favorite snacks and drinks to have when you're watching a horror movie?" Uh, the blood of the innocent, obviously. That's yeah, I would. I would say a good old bloody, a bloody Caesar, <laughs> a, a rare steak, <laughs> um, a whiskey sour, but mix in the souls of the innocents. Just 
Um, my enemies' hopes and dreams. Um. How long do you let your enemies' hopes and dreams steep in your drink before you take Ooh, your first sip? I find that it's it, it, if you drink them hot, they go down nicely. Mm. <laughs> do, it, do people actually have like a set snack that they eat during horror movies? I don't. I, like, yeah, it depends on the movie. Like I'm not eating anything during society. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or like Reanimator, or like, or or Fly. Slither. Do you want to eat while watching Slither? No, I don't know. Slither Probably. might not be so bad. Depends what you're eating. If you're eating like snails or something, oysters. Yeah, maybe don't not. don't have don't have your escargot and oyster your your, your <laughs> aphrodisiac session. You know, right right after you watch Slither, you like to get down. So. Mm. <laughs> I figure like popcorn is like I have a box of microwave popcorn that I just mm-hmm. throw in or nice. like I mean it my tastes are very chocolate candy focused so that's probably what I'm also going yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. Same here or spicy nacho Doritos whatever. I'm a stoner so that just kind of goes hand in hand. Oh yeah. I'm sponsored by Doritos at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um I do love a good gelato. Like mm-hmm. like a good solid gelato is uh that's sort of, you know, it's, uh, I, I can feel not too bad about finishing a whole tub of that, but, uh, <laughs> there's this one brand that's really good and they make like vanilla bean and caramel salted and, uh, oh, ones as damn. Well. yeah. So they make some really good gelatos. Um, there's also a, uh, coconut flavored one. That's just fantastic. So I usually go with gelato. Usually it's just nice and light and refreshing, especially now that it's getting warmer out. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess I'd go with that. I also too do love uh, some chips on occasion too. Uh, although I usually go for like tortilla chips with like some salsa, guac, maybe mm. even weed weed salsa. <laughs> I made that mistake a while ago. I because I got some THC salsa and it like I think they say like one tablespoon is enough to like get you pretty stoned. And I just kept like dipping my chips in there, and I definitely did more than a tablespoon of salsa. <laughs> and I was just like an hour into watching uh, a movie and I was just like, I'm done. I'll have to rewatch this tomorrow because I can't finish this. So That's the dangerous thing about eating something with THC in it. If it's possible to keep snacking on it after you're stoned, then you, you're you just, you should know that you're dead. Yeah. So, um, cool. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have a set snack. I mean, a lot of times too, like, Steve knows this too, but like when you're reviewing movies, especially like horror movies, I feel like half the time, like I just end up bringing in like a coffee or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I know yeah. Dan Nichols, who's also a uh, film critic, he also tends to just, yeah, bring in like outside food. I think when you're a critic, you can get away with it somewhat. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and it would be in the morning too. So I'd, I'd go to like McDonald's and grab like a egg McMuffin or something. Yeah. And get a coffee and just munch. Just oh, I'm just so hungry now. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> looking at my watch now and be like, all right. Just an egg, egg McMuffin. Don't eat uh, a sandwich during Midsommar. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Oh, man. That, that, that's, that always just sticks in my head. Um, <laughs> cool. Um, best line in this movie. 
Uh, I wrote down the supper one because that that whole scene was the one that made me go, "Thus, there's something I don't like these twins. There's something wrong with these twins." Like you get that vibe from the beginning, like especially the opening scenes where it's just the two boys like playing with each other. It's very ominous. Uh, and then they sit down, and the one's whispering, and I was like, mm, "I'm." It, it almost gives you like Fight Club, like Tyler Durden vibes a little bit. Like, no yeah. one else is really interacting with his brother. Like, it's like the mom is ignoring the brother, and you think at first it's because he's being punished for something, but then it's like, mm, maybe not. Yeah. Uh... Mine's kind of related to that as well, because I was like, the Lucas says, what am I doing? And then Elias says, what's Lucas doing? And then Mutter says, but I can't see him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of... Because everyone speaks in kind of st- like it does have that that Yorgos type of uh dialogue stilted dialogue to it right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah like everything about this movie is clean and sanitary mm-hmm. until bugs are introduced or fire or dead cats or whatever right but even then those are still pretty sanitary like when yeah. you think like the the dirt in the case with all the cockroaches like it's very contained in its own little environment right yeah you never really see other than in the beginning when the kids are dirty themselves you never really see any other it's very spick and span yeah my favorite line i mean i more so i like the exchange with um them trying to figure out to post it or whatever because it weirdly feels tense it doesn't feel so loving it Mm. It doesn't feel like it, it, it's such a weird introduction to this movie too, where it's like, oh, like I kind of feel like these this should be like a loving moment, but it feels very hostile. Definitely doesn't feel normal. So, yeah, and I guess looking back, it's so interesting. Those scenes are so tense. You don't realize it at the time, but it's so tense because the, this mother is dealing with her son, imagining his dead brother. Like that would definitely cause some tension in the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not something you realize at the time. At the time, you're placing all of this tension on this mom is definitely an imposter and they need to get rid of her. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Best performance in the movie. Ugh, I mean, I feel like it's got to be the son. <laughs> Plural. <laughs> uh, I guess so. It's like a trifecta thing, right? Yeah. I mean... Uh, Suzanne Wist, who uh, plays the mom, is also really good, too. Um, also, there's, like, I don't know, there's like a, just a lot of really weird moments that I just keep thinking about in that movie. Like, when they are interrogating her, she they show a picture of her and a woman that looks almost exactly like her. And mm. it's so weird and suspicious. And then she's like, oh, yeah, it's just my friend that looks like me. And I'm like, that that's really weird. Like, it's like a red herring. Yeah, I think it's meant to throw you off. Yeah, or you know, I what I sort of kind of got settled on is that I think this movie really is about miscommunication, in that Mm -hmm. like both the mom and the child both are incapable of of properly communicating with each other, and so it sort of creates this mistrust. When all it would take is for one of them to just be like oh, let's break the air and, like, sort of settle this. But they don't. Like, it just... There's miscommunication, and then it turns into mistrust, and then that turns into hostility, and it sort of just keeps building. But it's interesting, because I don't necessarily think 
one party is wrong and the other party is right i think both of them sort of mishandle it i mean i guess obviously mm -hmm. the mom would be the more responsible one being the parent but still it feels like both of them are sort of escalating this mistrust and really like part of me was like just just talk it out you know yeah mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the mom has to be in some kind of a painkiller fugue state as well right because yeah. she had a massive facial reconstruction right so she's definitely on painkillers and shit yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and she kind of, there's some dialogue towards the end of the movie where it's kind of all revealed that the brother is dead, mm -hmm. where she's talking about, I'm not going to go along with it anymore and things like that. So it seems like she has been almost letting him live in this fantasy where his brother is still alive and like serving two plates at dinner. Like she's, she has been kind of feeding into this a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, which maybe is pushing him more to towards the realm at the end of, oh, it's my brother is alive because my real mother could see him and knew him. And right. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's just gets all twisty and turny and mm -hmm. the problems just develop too far for either of them to be fixed. Probably. Yeah. That's kind of thing. Yeah. It sort of escalates to the point where there's no repairing it. Like they're on that no. word course, but it's just interesting. Mm -hmm. cause they, I don't know. I've seen some people comment online, like, oh, the mom is, in the wrong here or the son is in the wrong and i feel like it's neither but both mm -hmm. at the same time like neither mm -hmm. like they both just keep escalating it and it's interesting mm -hmm. that the movie never really takes a moment for one of them to be the rational one um yeah so do you know what i noticed my second watch the, the for this podcast is that i didn't notice the first time is elias is left-handed and lucas is right-handed hmm. Ooh, that's they're a good one they're yeah, they're kind of mirrors of each other. That's interesting. So that's really weird. Uh, I also find it fascinating that um, none of the actors were given scripts for this movie. Hmm. They were just given their dialogue at the time. That makes sense. Interesting. Because they filmed it chronologically. And I guess I wouldn't spoil it. So Yeah. So even, not even the actors knew. How? So how would that... This is just me being not knowledgeable. How does that work then? Do they just get fed the lines right before they do yeah. the scenes? Yeah interesting yeah i think that's how they did the lodge as well yeah. that's just how they make their movies well that seems like a cool way of doing it <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i think so too i think so too well i think it just sort of keeps keeps things in a way where the actors can't hint too much to what's going on if they don't know what's going to happen next mm -hmm. so you see that with a, like a lot of shows and movies where in order to sort of not feed too many hints to the audience they'll sort of keep the actors in, not in the know too because sometimes actors know things and then when they know things in advance they'll sort of subtly hint at things and it can kind of ruin a surprise mm -hmm. so. it, well yeah it can probably be an unconscious thing for some of them too sometimes like you just yeah. have it of the wrong facial expression and it kind of gives away that maybe your character's not as on the up and up as you think for sure um yeah that's the best line best performance best kill in the movie um it's tough to i mean i guess the mom if you believe yeah. that she's dead i like to think she's dead but yeah i mean there's an ambiguity to it all but sure yeah we can... she'd be the only one right aside from I the kids so. yeah yeah aside from him drowning in the lake which i guess technically it's a kill but it's also kind of like yeah, how they do it is also really creepy too. With like, there's the bubbles coming up and they just mm -hmm. like laying down. You're like, fucking help him, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I would say the bomb probably. That would be my go-to. 
Uh, yeah. I have to say the mom just because of everything that character went through beforehand. Oh, yeah. The the glue to the mouth is just like, oh, oh my god. Oh, oh it's just <laughs> so... I don't know why that gets me so bad, but it's just like that, for some reason, is like so disturbing. Yeah. Um, Alright. Dumbest decision in this movie. Um, again, just not communicating. Like, could have just easily been like, hey, mom, I'm a little worried about you or something. <laughs> yeah, or like the, I don't know. I think the mom could have been more vocal about. I mean, I understand that she it, it totally ruins the twist of the movie for her to just come out and be like, "Your brother's dead," but like, talk to your son about it a little more. Like, be a little mm-hmm. more upfront, maybe. Like, I have no idea how any yeah. of that would work, but yeah, yeah. That that was like the biggest thing towards the end of the movie that I was like, I'm kind of just surprised she didn't say more about it to him throughout this whole time that this was going on. Oh, totally. And that's kind of where I land. It's like, I just feel like this movie would have probably been way too swiftly solved if they just talked about it. But Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Steve? Dumbest decision? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, like yeah, uh, communication, obviously. Like, if the kids did this to the, to the mom... Uh, to cause her whole facial, her whole face to be reconstructed. That's a problem. But again, as part of the setup, you have a 15 minute movie otherwise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, because this is just like a tri, like a three way movie, I can't really fault anybody. Mm. Everyone's just kind of doing their thing without tether. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I don't know who to place the blame on that kind of hard in a way it is it is because i think that's kind of like part of me thinks it's probably the mom who's most at fault because i mean you're the parent you're the responsible one but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. also too i mean the kid probably could have seen that she needed some help or something but yeah eh, is what it is yeah um but i guess my question is we didn't get this email there or anything but do you think like they all died at the end because i kind of feel like they all died I don't know. That end scene really seems to imply something, but yeah. you don't like. I have no idea how the son would have feasibly died afterwards. That's insane. yeah. I I feel like Elias is just now free to be with his this mm. evil imaginary ghost side mm. because yeah. also being that they're identical twins, maybe that there's maybe maybe they're drawing on the connection there that even if there's a death they're never really gone they're still kind of there yeah that makes sense and especially if his mom is now dead it's very possible he's also just seeing her too now mm-hmm. and that's that's him with two people who aren't actually there just mm-hmm. living his life yeah because they yeah. kind of show him in the house when it catches on fire and part of me wonders like did he just stay in there for some weird reason or maybe he like got uh like smoke inhalation or something yeah it's so ambiguous i think i saw a lot of kickback to this movie online i think that's why is a lot of things are ambiguous but sometimes ambiguity is nice you know you gotta Mm -hmm. kind of make in your own mind conclusions as to how the movie ends and some people are fine with that some people fucking hate that i i enjoyed though like yeah take for instance the thing not to get on too much of a tangent but like the thing how that ends and you're like well 
you know, is is he the alien? Like, how does like I love endings like that. I think I, that's why I enjoyed this so much. Is you don't know exactly what's going on. So. Mm-hmm. I I am someone who definitely enjoys having questions after a movie and discussing it and things like that. Yes. And I think this movie, I think this movie did a good job of kind of teetering the line of you think you know and then you're not quite sure and then you're too into the movie to ask any questions so then you're asking a bunch of questions again. I think this yeah. movie does a good job of that. Oh, for sure. Cool. Uh, well, I think that uh, is... Oh. Before we we jump we jump out, I just... Uh, any takeaways from this, uh, if you like this one, find The Lodge. Uh, we talked about how the, the, there's like a Friday the 13th kind of like almost like just like little little stuff in Goodnight Mommy and The Lodge is The Shining. Yeah. 100%. I mean, even the dog's name's Grady in that movie. Um, but there's also things to like uh, musical cues in The Lodge. Like there's weird like squawks and stuff that kind of remind me of The, the Shining a bunch. So, I mean, these filmmakers have just, like, horror running through their veins. And uh, I, I think they're a large part of the great horror that we're going to get to come. Yeah. Um, and I also, ta- uh, we also brought up the cinematography of Goodnight Mommy, which is so pristine and just so clinical and, and, and brilliantly done. Uh, and that guy, I, I don't want to pronounce his last name. He's got a German last name. It's really hard to pronounce because there's not many uh, vowels in it. Um but he did a movie for a director named Jessica Hausner last year called Little Joe, which I don't think got any sort of a release at all. And it's honestly one of the creepiest movies I have seen in a long time. And it has that exact same style to it. And I, people need to find Little Joe because it's phenomenal. Nice. Um, cool. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of The Lodge, but I need to rewatch that. Maybe I'm just... I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. It was like a midnight screening thing at VIF, and I just I fell in love with it. Yeah, VIF, VIF was good for a lot of screenings. I still remember when mm-hmm. we went to see The Lighthouse, and I always remember <laughs> just this couple getting up from behind us, and um, the the girl looking not too pleased at all, and the guy just being like, I'm so sorry. Like, If I apologize to you after watching... A movie. I don't think the second date is going to happen. Like, and yeah. if you're like, "Yeah, you better apologize," I'd be like, "Okay, it's all time to this is, move on." This is when it turns into like a nerds and love episode where it's like, "Well, I took my date to a horror movie and she didn't seem that impressed. What should I do?" <laughs> well, time to find a partner with taste, then, huh? <laughs> just kidding. You don't yeah. have to like one. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was just funny because I think he probably was like. Yeah, it's like an art house movie starring Robert Pattinson. It's like, and then some. Uh, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I think most people do have horror that they would like. Like, yeah. my husband is someone who, when we first got together, the first movie we watched together was Cabin in the Woods. And he was, uh, because this was like our first date, kind of, he was too nervous to tell me that he was scared of horror movies. But okay. now... As our relationship has gone on, and as I've kind of introduced him to more things, like he, Midsummer and Hereditary, are probably two of his like movies that he really likes now. Mm. So I think everyone out there has horror that they like. It just might not necessarily be Lighthouse, you know. But what what is a what is the weird mermaid scene that happens in that movie? Oh yeah. <laughs> that 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 kind of horror might be 
too far for some people. Oh yeah, it definitely got a little weird. And you know, I think when you have uh, someone who's not into horror, it's like really just like what I like to do is just ask them like, what other stuff do you like? You know, like what kind of mm -hmm. movies do you like? Because in horror, there's so many sub genres that if like someone said, oh, I like com uh, comedy, then you could be like, well, I'd show you like a horror comedy. That's why I agree. I think there's horror for everybody. It's just a matter of finding which one works for you. Um, yeah, I, a horror can kind of almost be an umbrella for a lot of other yeah. different types of movies, for sure. Like even me, I'm not the biggest fan of found footage, but I think this podcast has certainly enlightened me to some of the ones within the genre that I've just never even thought to check out. Like, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I know of, um, what's it called, the... Uh, uh, Blair Witch and all that, but like we watched that one where they were in a mental asylum, and I was like, I've never heard of this movie. Oh yeah, Grave Encounters. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. So there's there's definitely like even even with me, there's there's little blind spots that I haven't checked out. So cool. Uh, Steve, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Steve Dead. I believe I'm on Letterboxd at the same username uh also uh, my website is stevestebbing.ca i keep it updated pretty regularly and then i am on uh the shift with drax across canada in 10 different markets at 11 p.m on thursday evenings pacific time and i also have a new podcast i'm probably going to be rolling out soon but i'm going to keep it under wraps a little bit longer okay i think i know what that's you're exciting talking about <laughs> I, I, I've, it's fun <laughs> i've seen i've seen hints if if not direct mentions to it and if the, what i've seen is true then it would be amazing um cool taylor where can people find you um social media pretty much instagram twitter letterbox and this podcast my username in most places is circeanic nice you can find me over at threenerds.com twitter i'm film critic kurt Letterbox on Fiddle Koala. Yeah, it's a good old, good old time. Uh, until uh, next time, everyone, where we'll be... Oh. Well, I guess I kind of, like, I realized that Bob Duke was our... Canonically is the one after this, so I should have put the teaser in that one. But eventually we will do an episode on <laughs> uh, Don't Breathe, which is, I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Turkey baster! Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Until next time, everyone. Bye for now. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm stupidly excited to talk about Don't Breathe because it's it's the right kind of trashy horror for me. Like it's yeah. it's not it's not art house horror at all.